Welcome to Don Strong's Taking the Leap with Jason Gore. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Gore. This is our first episode, and we are excited to get going. And before we get going, why don't you enjoy this amazing theme music for just a little bit? amazing. Thank you, Josh Cantor, for also doing our music. For Don Strong's Taking the Leap with Jason Gore, this is our inaugural episode. This is it. This is where we start season one. I'm Jason Gore. You may remember me from that other podcast, Meet My Friends the Friends. What a great time that was. That's in the past. We're here. We're doing a show that everybody loves, Quantum Leap, and uh, we're excited to get through it. We're going to do a breakdown of every episode in the series, Quantum Leap, starting with Genesis Part 1. This was aired on March 26, 1989. It was a two-part pilot movie, but in syndication, it's shown as two episodes, so we're going to keep it in the syndicated mind here and do just the first half of that episode. So we're going to focus on Genesis Part 1, September 13th, 1956. Before we get started, though, I do want to point out a couple of things. A, we do not have any sponsors right now. That's because, uh, really, you know, Don Strong, you know, he wants everyone to hear the first few episodes of Taking the Leap in their raw, perfect state. He doesn't want it to be sullied with any ads. He's got the money to pay for this, so you shouldn't have to listen to ads. You're not getting them here. I also want to point out that our good friend Pat Byrne is visiting us here in the studio. Strongcast Studios, we're broadcasting from the heart of Hollywood right here on Sunset Boulevard. We're very excited uh, to have Pat stopping by. How are you, Pat? Um, hey, hey, Jason. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I... Uh I, it's a lot, isn't it? I'm grateful to be here. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's my first time in California. Cool. Uh, first time in, in L.A. And uh, kind of just, yeah. just taken aback by the whole, the whole journey. The kindness. Yeah. The, um, yeah. It's, it was all very... It was a shock. I'm still, I'm still kind of shocked. I don't really know what's going on, <laughs> but I'm happy to be here. Well, it's good. I mean, look at all this equipment. I mean, you could really pour anything on these boards that you wanted to pour on them, and it would do nothing. And I'm not saying that to hurt you, Pat. No, I'm just I, saying I understand. No, this I, is this real is, equipment here. It sounds it sounds great. Uh, there's there's a um, 
there's a piece of plexi between me and mm-hmm. and the 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 board and 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 over yeah it it's like a salad guard yeah you're a, also a, it's almost like you're in a box from me yeah it's, yeah it is, is bulletproof I've never seen anything like this yeah. I've never heard anything mm-hmm. quite like this you it's, didn't it's expect very it, clear you, exactly you didn't expect it to sound so good and that's what Don Strong is about and that's what Strongcast Studios is about here in the heart. Of Hollywood. Also, I want to point out how grateful we all are that uh, Don Strong brought you out here. He put you up in the finest hotel in Hollywood, also owned by Don, the El Bigal. Yeah, and I, um, I'm again taken very mm-hmm. aback by all of this. I, I sort of, uh, I accepted the the trip, of course, and the right. offer to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, very grateful. He expressed over over many emails that he was apologetic for my experience with Tom and mm-hmm. uh, and meet my friends and how I was treated and, and you did as well and mm-hmm. I, I of course accepted the the uh, condolences and the apologies right. and and I, I I came on a trip but I haven't met him yet I was I thought I would meet him by now <laughs> I, I have a I wanted to thank him right. and, and uh, you are right now uh, yeah I'm uh, well I'm okay I'm I'm just mm-hmm. I'm still a little confused, though. It's still a little. I don't know why he would do that or why I'm here, and I'm I'm happy to be here. The hotel is is yeah. is good, and and everything's great. great. Um, anyway, I don't mean to take away no, from, from your Lord, show. No, no, so, no. So, I, I, when you're being grateful about Don Strong, I'm being grateful about Don Strong. Okay. And really, I mean, Thank would you, I Don be Strong. here? Would I be here sitting in this seat in Strongcast Studios in Hollywood doing a recap podcast? Of one of my favorite TV shows without Don Strong. Is he in no. this building? You know what? Who knows? But he's listening to us. Oh, yeah. There, this, this, everything that is recorded here in Strongcast Studios goes right to his desk. Okay. He hears every single moment. Got Even it. when we have to like stop and edit, he's still going to hear that. Okay. So I don't, well, I uh, keep that th- in mind. Thanks again, yeah. sir. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's extra generous of you to have me here. I'm, I'm, uh, that's really nice, Pat. I mean, you were you were given a raw deal on Meet My Friends, The Friends by Tom. Uh, I was given pretty much a raw deal. I mean, sure, I was given the opportunity at the end to stick around. But, I mean, who's going to do a Friends podcast when you can do something about Quantum Leap, right? I mean, he's, come on. Uh, he's, he, he, he's your Shep Gordon. Completely. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, this aired originally on March 26, 1989. It was a two-part pilot movie. And uh, we're doing the first part. Now, it opens with Al driving in a futuristic car. He drives up to a woman who has a flat. All cars must have sparkles in the future, so please keep that in mind. Uh, Even the woman's earrings are sparkling the whole time. Now, Al drives up to her, kind of floats. The car's floating a little bit, and uh, he's kind of being a futuristic creep. Now, he explains he can't fix her flat because he's wearing a tux, so he kind of coaxes her in a weird way into his car and she gets in she must like al's charm she gets in the car as they're driving there's a cosmic storm in the distance Uh, the woman points out that the area where the cosmic storm is happening is where the first atomic bomb was tested and that people you know say something top secret is still happening there like an area 51 or an area 52 and uh yeah that's where dr sam beckett played by the great scott bakula is currently leaping against everyone's advice. They say he can't leap. We're not ready. Al calls into the office while all of this is going on, saying he can't leap. We're not ready. 
But what does Sam do? He leaps before the system is ready, wearing a white leotard. Any interference would kill Sam, and that's why they couldn't stop him. And boom, just like that, the opening credits for Quantum Leap roll. Now, the initial theme song sucks. It isn't the same Mike Post theme. You know, it, it was still done by Mike Post, but, uh, you know, same footage of clouds, but a very worse song. So keep that in mind. If you're thinking about going into the first episode of Quantum Leap, with a better theme song, you think the, the iconic theme song's gonna play? It ain't gonna play. It's gonna be this weird thing, but you will get your cloud footage. Was that removed later for syndication and replaced with the, with the uh, usual song? No, I think that they probably, you know, I don't know what they did really. I don't know. I can't think of uh, the inner workings of, of a genius brain like Mike Post. They probably did, though, especially if they split it into two episodes. They probably replaced it with, with whatever the whatever became the norm. Well, the theme song still happens in the second one, too. So uh, what happens is we get all the clouds, we get the worst theme song, and boom. Sam wakes up in bed next to a woman who turns out to be his wife. He wakes up in the uh, body of someone named Captain Tom Stratton, who turns out to be uh, one of the test pilots for the X-2 spy plane. He wakes up next to Tom's wife, and she's super pregnant. And the first oh boy is very long. Is it the longest oh boy of the series? We're going to find out in all of these podcasts. But I would say it was more of a oh boy. <laughs> and it was a little off-putting how long that was. You know, not, not to throw back to our old life, but... Uh... right. I like to look on that fondly now. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm in this position of my own show, I do look back on Meet My Friends, The Friends fondly. But uh, go ahead, Pat. What were you saying? I was just thinking that, you know, Tom, Tom used to throw out an old boy every now and again. But not like... He used to make us laugh. You know? <laughs> He'd throw out an old boy. Oh, oh Tom Sharpling. So, uh, so Sam's standing in the shower. His wife's kind of freaking out. He's acting weird. He turns on the shower while he's wearing boxer shorts. <laughs> That is pure Scott Bakula comedy for you. And Tom's wife just thinks it, it's, it's Tom Stratton being goofy. Sam thinks he's dreaming. He starts putting on shaving cream, sees himself in the, in the shower mirror, and then he sees someone else. This is the first time now, Sam is looking in the mirror, and it isn't Sam Beckett. Okay, so this is the first time he, he leaps. Yes, this is the is first, the first time anyone leaps. This is the first time anybody leaps. Now, do, do we get into why he wanted to, to do it? Why he wanted to, to jump in before they were ready. Does that get explained? You know what? It kind of doesn't. Uh -huh. um, I think, yeah, watching this first episode, it's not really clear. You know, it just seems like the system wasn't ready. I don't know why uh, Sam Beckett decided to jump so fast. And was he, is he like running up to the machine or is he just there? No, as they are on the phone call, uh -huh. um, I, I, I sent you the link. To watch this. I, see, I didn't get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as they are uh, on the phone call, Al with the other guy who's letting him know that, uh, that Sam is leaping, uh -huh. you see all this like wispy light and energy flowing around okay. and Sam, you know, standing with his arms spread wide open, white leotard, mm -hmm. and he's smiling and he's ready to leap. They don't explain exactly why he had to jump in so quickly because Ziggy, the hybrid computer that Sam Beckett basically invented to uh, do the Quantum Leap. The Quantum Leap program was created by Scott Bakula's character, Sam, Sam Beckett. Beckett. And uh, Ziggy said it, was, it wasn't ready. It was too early to do it. He has all of these different factors that oh, had to be I met see. before you could do a leap. But Sam Beckett wasn't hearing that. And he jumps right in. Wow. 
And then he lands in 1956 in the body of Captain Tom Stratton. It's like the opposite of the classic refusal to go story method where like yeah. instead of the refusal to go he's insisting to go when everybody else is telling him to stop yep you know so sam's in the shower and he sees himself he sees another man he sees the real tom stratton who apparently this is something else you'll learn in the first episode of quantum leap when this is being explained by al to sam is when sam leaps so he leaps into the body of tom stratton right tom stratton is then sucked into the lab Back in really? uh, New Mexico. Oh, wow. So, that's pretty cool. I guess, what, does he leap right into the the white leotard? Yeah, I wonder. He has to, right? But that isn't shown. That is not shown. See, that, that could what be a, a whole sister series. Yes. Of just, of uh, of Al yeah. being like, you know, hey, kid, you're in a lab. You know, he's got a yeah. cigar or something. And then he's, yeah. he's dealing with, with people who, who have, to un, have to now realize what happened to them. Right. Now, I've been tweeting at Scott Bakula, and I've been tweeting at uh, uh, Donald Belisario, the uh, creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, How old is he now? Who? Scott Bakula no, or Donald no. Belisario? Yeah, Belisario. What, 70s, I, I think? Okay. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to research that right now. Are you okay with that, Don? Okay, I didn't hear a buzzer, so I think we're good. So you would hear the buzzer in your headphones? Yes, in my headphones, not, if there I was an issue. Okay. Yeah, there okay. is a buzzer from his desk. Is it piercingly loud? It's or? very loud. Okay. My eyes suddenly become bloodshot uh, every time um, it does come through my headphones. But I'm okay with it because that's just Don letting me know that I need to do the show a little bit better. So Sam Beckett's in the shower. He yells because his wife is freaked out over the face. He says his name isn't Tom. A child runs in. Yes, he's a dad. Uh, Also sounds like he's an Air Force pilot. Hope you can fly a plane, Sam. (laughs) So he realizes he's in the past when he can't dial a number for his work because it has too many numbers. So he's trying to do uh, like your area code. Back then, you'd have to be like, you know... Uh, Klondike 5? Yes, exactly. 100% Klondike 5. <laughs> you would have to do that sort of thing. Right. So when the operator lets him know that his phone number doesn't work, Howdy Doody comes on the TV, and Sam begins to freak out and realize he is no longer in 1989. He is in the 50s. He goes outside, sees all the old-ass cars. Boom, he knows he's in the 50s. Yeah. And then a spy plane flies over foreshadowing what the rest of this episode is going to be about. So that that's the Russians. It's not the Russians. This is when we were testing our own oh, spy plane. Spy and plane. I Tom, Sam's body that he leapt into, is one of the test pilots of the spy plane. And Sam says to himself in one of the lines of the episode, that's one of the things we're doing here on Taking the Leap. We believe there are too many lines that need to be addressed you can't just have one line of the episode. You got to have many lines of lines, the episode. Lines, plural. Lines, plural. So sure. in this case, Sam says, okay, it's not a dream. It's a nightmare. And if it's a nightmare, sooner or later, there's going to be a boogeyman. Do you need a bumper for that? Do you want to do one? Sure. I mean, I brought my um, one of my keyboards. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, so I, I brought this thing, but we, we, no, no, we, we no, 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 no. Go ahead. We go, don't have to go, do this. Go ahead and do it. Lines of the episode. Okay, here we go. All right, this is just improv on the spot. We can, we can edit, we can edit the real version you know. in later. Um. Okay. Okay. So, so um, it's the lines of 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 the episode. Yeah. 
See, I, what I what I really respected, and you know, I didn't respect that at all when you were doing it on Meet My Friends of Friends. I thought it was kind of trashy, but uh-huh. it works really well in this context because it does feel a little Mike Post. Yeah, and 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 Don actually wrote. Can I call him Don, or should I say Don Strong? Ah, uh, hold on. Yeah, no buzzer. Uh, Don. Okay. Don works. Yeah. Uh, when when Don wrote me, he told mm-hmm. he said, "Hey, br- and bring the keys." All he said was, "Hey, and bring the keyboard." So I was just like, "Okay, well, I'll bring it." But I didn't actually think I would get wait, to play. Wait, wait, wait. He wrote you? Yeah, he wrote me directly. Yeah, yeah. It didn't go through Tammy. No, I got messages from her or Denise. Uh, I got maybe one message from, it was multiple women. I don't remember uh, both their names, but, um, but then, yeah, I got, I thought this was a trick. I had to talk to Tammy and Denise probably for at least three or four weeks before Don would address me personally. Wow. Well, I, I, that's why like, I really, wow. I didn't, (laughs) I was worried. Uh, I mean, I was, I was still worried up until about 10 minutes ago that this was going to be some, some trick for Uh me because. Yeah. No trick. All right. You're here. I mean, you're hey, just observing. L.A. is okay. Yeah. For me. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, that should I, be a T-shirt. No, I get why people like it out here. I really do. It's it's nice, and the, it's not just the weather. The people are nice. So one of Sam's, or ex- excuse me, I should say Tom's friend, mm-hmm. Captain Bill Burdell, otherwise known as Bird Dog, picks him up in a convertible. Which is something AP Mike used to say, Bird Dog bird and dog. Chicks. Yeah, yeah, well then there you go. That really goes in with what this is because there, you're wondering, oh, why is he called Bird Dog? Uh, it's because he harasses women from his convertible. He's a total creep. But he's Tom's spy plane flying best friend, so Sam has to give him a pass. Oh, and, you know, they speed up a, uh, next to a woman. He does his bird dog, dog, <laughs> bird dog things. Uh, oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, there's the buzzer. Um, hold on. Are you, are you sure that doesn't get picked up? Because I heard it. Uh, hold on. I have to start that over. Uh Oh, do you see my how my eyes are watering? Yeah, you're 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 tearing. You're, you're there's tears rolling down your your face. Okay. Um so he's called this because he harasses women from his convertible. He's a total creep. They drive up and he automatically starts bird dogging from the convertible uh to a random woman on the street and uh it's totally terrible, but they speed on uh to the Air Force base. Yes, he's in the Air Force, he's a captain, Captain Tom Stratton. At this point they go and see all the other people they're working with in the Air Force, including a character named Weird Ernie, who is the the brains. He runs the spy plane show, but he can't fly because he explains he has a weird war injury in his brain. He actually taps his brain to show that that's the reason he can't fly, and it's very clear. Uh, one thing I do want to point out here is that Weird Ernie is played by the character actor Bruce McGill, who actually appeared as Al the bartender in the 1993 series finale of Quantum Leap. We'll get there eventually, though. Now, this this version of 1989, uh-huh. where they have this futuristic te- technology, this is supposed to be an alternate version of 1989. You know right? what? I'm I'm saying 1989 mainly because that's when the show was. This is m- farther in the future, but okay. it doesn't quite tell you what year. So it's it's a it's a near version of the future around 1989. So it's like <laughs> it's like it's 1989 yeah. plus some future years later. Right, so if this started on, uh, if this originally aired... Did they ever say the year? 
Uh, they don't in the first episode. So if this, and the reason they don't is because Al says it's classified. But if this originally aired. <laughs> Which is a very smart thing to do. So classified. Uh, March 26, 1989. So you can just factor in that this is probably happening in April 1989. Okay. That makes the most sense to me. Understood. So they meet the rest of the crew, and uh, they're already like, "Oh, okay, let's well, let's let's hop up in uh, in, in the uh, air and uh, see what we can do." And they also talk a little bit about how the X two plane could be impacting their pilots' memories. So that's a good way for uh, Sam to kind of use his amnesia that he woke up with to his benefit. Now, during this nice little Air Force chat meeting, uh, Sam sees Al for the very first time. Al just randomly appears in the spy plane briefing, but clearly they've met before, but Sam just doesn't remember. Al's still dressed in his tux and future trench coat from the night before. He keeps talking to Sam, but Sam doesn't respond. Now, the pilots get airborne for a spy plane test. They get up in a bomber. The spy plane is attached to the bottom of the bomber, and it's just uh, Sam and Bird Dog flying the plane. Now, Bird Dog gets up to take a whiz, and leaves Sam in charge to fly the plane, which Sam royally screws up. The plane starts to tilt. The pilots all fall down. Sam just stares at the controls like a dummy. He starts to scream. Bill comes back. Another great line of the episode. What's wrong? I can't fly. Weird Ernie tries to reach the plane from the ground to find out what's wrong. Uh, but Bird Dog, he covers for uh, Sam. He, fly, he takes control. He takes control, and, uh, but he, and he's a little weirded out that uh, Sam can't fly all of a sudden. So that's a big, a big yeah. plot point there that's within that, the episode. That's the, uh, that's the Act 3 pinch. Yeah. So while this is happening, what, what else could really throw this off and kind of throw Sam over the uh, edge? Al appears again, creeping him out. Who's this guy in a big white trench coat? He thinks he's seeing things. Mm -hmm. Now the mission continues on, and they drop the spy plane for a test. Sam says another great line of the episode is, Rider cowboy, once it's in flight. Uh, now the test is unsuccessful. The test plane, uh, the test plane explodes. Oh. oh my god! I'm sorry. The test plane explodes after the pilot loses control. Uh, once he was trying to turn the plane at Mach 2.2. Why don't you just take your headphones? I off? can't. I gotta hear my voice. Uh, so Tom. Tom's wife hears the explosion. She runs out to see. Uh, she thinks maybe Tom died in that in that explosion, but the pilot successfully ejected. Now, uh, when that happens, uh, what I learned from this episode is that after there is a close call, a, a close uh, aviation tragedy, there's always a dance at the bar. So they're all hanging out at a local dive bar. And uh, Sam begins to find Tom's wife, Peggy, attractive. And he even says in his mind, you can hear Scott Bakula's voiceover, uh, he wonders if he's suddenly attracted to pregnant women. Okay, he begins to be happy with the situation. Now, one thing I do want to point out, uh, watching Quantum Leap uh, in the past as a child, it was fun, and it was fun re-watching this. But I do have to say that both Sam and Al are a, a little creepy when it comes to women. And I think we're going to find this out uh, as we go along. Like, uh, Al can't really uh, tell a story unless it relates to a, uh, uh, another uh, woman that he uh, had, a, had a night with. 
He mentions this on a regular basis. He refers to them as broads, which gets really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. Joey Bishop is your hologram there, you know, telling you how the system's working and how we're going to get you back. It's like working with, with a guy that you otherwise love at work and then they're like somehow subtly racist or subtly yeah. subtly sexist and you're but like then, hey no please don't i'm yeah. probably not going to talk to you ever again yeah. but then think about sal's i mean <laughs> sal i just really mixed <laughs> jason just don't sam sam so think about sam in that situation where he's relying on al to bring him back am i bleeding just take your headphones off i can't take the headphones off why that is directive number three. Okay. Um, so they're dancing. Uh, sorry, excuse me. They're at the dance. Okay. I think that was a pass. Um, so uh, he keeps having to tell himself that he's not her husband, Peggy's husband, Tom, but he is kind of falling in love with her and he asks her to dance. Now, Sam dances with the wife, Peggy, and she comments that she doesn't know who he's been dancing with because Tom it appears is a real shit dancer but sam real good dancer so take that tom learn to dance buddy so while they're dancing sam sees al again over by the jukebox it freaks him out he asks peg uh if he can see if she can see the guy in the tux but peggy can't line of the episode a tux in here <laughs> like there'd be a tux in the weird uh aviation dive bar yeah. no way did you want me to have the keyboard out no, for all of these we'll we'll or... drop them back in oh okay we'll drop them cool, all back cool, in cool, so sam stops dancing with uh peggy to investigate peggy's really upset about this she wants to keep dancing but sam blames their ending of the dance on her pregnancy and that she just needs to rest kind of weird that's weird yeah yeah so sam talks to al at the jukebox al asks if they have bebop alula on the jukebox classic because it got him through some rough times at mit well, that song in a Lithuanian girl named Danessa. So that's more. more yeah, more it's more like really, really, really creep. Yeah, it wouldn't fly today. This, no. this, this writing. But yeah. I mean, but his character was a womanizing, cigar-smoking friend. So hologram, hologram. You know, it's almost like I wonder if they named him Al. You know, Al AI. Mm -hmm. He's not quite AI, but he's Al. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I don't. What does know. the L stand for? Lecherous, advanced lechery. Exactly. Some, some, something like that. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if that's what I, uh, correct what I'm saying. Um, but so Sam starts to talk to Al about this situation, wonders if he's dead, wonders if he's been in a re uh, reverse reincarnation. Uh, Al is shocked that he doesn't recognize him, asks what he actually remembers of the experiment. Al realizes that Sam can't remember a thing. So Al freaked out. He storms out of the 50s dive bar dance. Sam follows him out, and then Al does the classic quantum leap thing where he vanishes through a door in thin air. Now, while all this is going on, Tom's friends, the other pilots, see Tom, Sam, talking to himself, and they're getting a little creeped out by it. So after the dance, Sam starts to drive uh, his wife Peggy home. And uh, this is a great scene where, you know, it kind of sets up a little bit more of the weirdness for Sam and Peggy starting to like, not believe that Sam is really Tom. She talks about how weird uh, it was that he didn't get completely just drunk with all the friends. You know, he's pretty sober and how he wanted to dance and how that was weird. Um, and then at this point in time, Sam screws up and mentions, you know, needing a shave with his electric razor, something that wasn't around in 1956. 
once he says this, Peggy gets a little freaked out by it. Wait, and Al says that? No, Sam and Sam Peggy are in the car. Al okay. is already, Al's out drinking. Okay. He's in 19, April, uh, excuse me, he's in, yeah, April 1989 getting drunk. Got it. So once this happens in the car, uh, Sam just kind of gives up the ghost, mentions he's not Tom, and his wife thinks he's insane. He says, my name is Sam. I don't know. You know, he tries to explain that uh, he doesn't know why he's in this body. She will not hear the explanation whatsoever that she's some, that he's some dude named Sam. So Sam uh, realizes Peggy is scared all to hell. And he backtracks as if he's setting up a gag. And she falls for it. She's like, oh, Tom, you did it again. Uh, that sort of thing. Throughout the next few scenes, Sam starts to realize a little bit more of his, his memory starts to come back. He remembers being raised on a farm in Elkridge, Indiana. Remembers milking cows. Remembers his sister and the dude that she married uh, named Jim Bonnet. Which also, some Belisario uh, trivia facts here for you happened to be the name of a Magnum P.I. character that Donald Belisario also created. Sam also remembers that his mom lives with his sister in Hawaii after his dad died in 75, and then he realizes his dad is still alive in this time, and he could call him. And he tries calling his actual dad in 1956, uh, but he can't go through with it. He's standing there with the phone, a little freaked out. Tom's son, Mikey, walks up, asks if his dad's okay, and asks if he wants to, to skip the fishing trip if he's not feeling good. He's never going to skip a fishing trip, not for Mikey. So Sam takes Mikey on a fishing trip, but he absolutely sucks at fishing. Mikey schools him at fishing. Mikey says it's just his dad trying to make him look good, but the truth is Sam Beckett can't fish. Tom can fish. Sam can dance. So there you go. They're even. Sam gets his fishing lure stuck in a tree, walks away, pull it out. He runs into Al again. Al, at this point in time, he's not wearing his tux and his trench coat. And he, he's now in PJs in a weird polka dot trench coat. He is hung over his <laughs> Sam sticks his hand all the way through Al trying to figure out, you know, are you really here? He keeps doing it over and over in a way that is very uncomfortable. Al asks him not to yell or to stick your hand through me again. And then at this point in time, Al takes a moment to mention another woman that he slept with the night before. Yeah. More lines of the episode. In this scene, Sam, who are you? Al, my name is Albert. Albert what? I can't tell you because it's restricted. Most of what you'll want to know is restricted, so it'd be a lot easier if you don't ask a lot of questions. Sam, what are you? Al, that's a question, Sam. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, you know this yeah. is fun. Um, yeah, this is fun, and I was worried um, that I was going to be some sort of trick. What do you uh, mean? The only the only trick is uh -huh. that uh, this show is great, and and I'm having fun. Hey, and and I I I'm I'm honored that that you listen. Here's uh -huh. what here's what, I'll, what I really want to say. Okay, you're a good guy. I was worried our uh -huh. our friendship had uh, been on the rocks. Right. And this means the world to me to just be back here well, and, Pat, and doing doing this with you. I, so. I really appreciate it. And I think it's an easy thing because you can just sit here and just talk and you don't have to be on the hook for anything technical. Yeah. Uh, you can just be you. And uh, there's literally nothing technical that you can screw up. And it's really cool. That, And I and I and me, it means a lot to me that you're here. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I yeah, I, yeah. I know. I well, I I'm, OK, um, I'm. I'm just going to say I'm happy to be here. Great. Thank you to Don. 
and uh, Marcy, oh. is it? Oh, did you hear the ding? No. He did. I, the, that must just only be in my headphones then. He did uh, uh, acknowledge okay. that. Uh, I did hear something earlier. I've never heard that before when, for when me. I was, when, I was asking, uh, when I was asking why you can't pull the headphones off and stuff, uh-huh. I heard like a faint voice that I thought said like, don't help him or don't correct him or <laughs> no way yeah and no. I, i'm worried it was like it was so faint that it was like was that in my head or was that in his <laughs> headphones <laughs> that the, you, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say i think that's the weirdness of this quantum leap episode yeah, just seeping into yeah. your brain it's, there's it's, no way you've heard Dean anything Stockwell like that coming yeah. through even though he's still alive but. there's no way because honestly don i have had phone conversations with him as you know from meet my friends the friends uh but uh, no, he never speaks to me through the headphones, so <laughs> that's impossible. There's no way okay. uh, that happened. Yeah, I'm sure it was just my my inner fear. Okay. But um, can I say one thing? Dean, yeah. Dean Stockwell, um, his character on here, I worked with a guy that really reminded me of, of this character, Al. Uh, my In first, the way that he like really is bad about women? Everything. Every, okay. every detail. Yeah. Um, I was working a job in college, working my way through college, and I worked in uh, in an office of uh, of a union, mm-hmm. and, um, and and this guy worked the machines. He was like the machinist, right? And I was like, did they call him the machinist? No. And I was that in a, I was cool. at a computer desk next to him, uh-huh. and he you know he used to chain smoke and have the newspaper out. And he was an old yeah. jazz musician, okay. And he looked like Dean Stockwell, and he talked like him. Was it Dean Stockwell? I I don't know. His his name was um was Frank. Uh-huh. Um. And Frank, something a long Italian name. Mm-hmm. That I won't. I won't for his privacy. I won't give. Right. But yeah, he had like this crazy long history. He played with like James White and the Blacks and like all these like crazy New York bands. But he was also uh-huh. he was also just like an upright jazz musician. Anyway, he reminded me of a lot the of character Al. Al in Quantum Leap and Dean Stockwell specifically. So this and I, this I, this brought me back to to Frank. And I do want to say, yeah, Al may be a little creepy in Quantum Leap, but we do. Um, uh, we do still kind of accept him in that weird, creepy way. But Dean, Dean Stockwell is a gem. Uh, he sent me a lot of mail, um, a lot of emails, as I, as I read on Meet My Friends, The Friends. He's very pumped for this podcast, just as I am. So uh, moving forward, so they're in the bushes, and they're talking a little bit about it. Al starts to tell him uh, what he could about the Quantum Leap experiment, while Sam's still remembering a little bit of it. They talk a little bit about, uh, about Ziggy, how Ziggy's a hybrid computer. And another cool thing uh, here, another great lines of the episode, uh, you're part of a time travel experiment that went a little caca, Al says. <laughs> and Sam says, a little caca? How caca? And Al says, well, you're here. That's great. Nobel Prize material. You should be proud, Sam. And? And we're experiencing technical difficulties in retrieving you, setting up basically everything that Quantum Leap is about. They realize that Sam is stuck in this situation because he told Peggy in the car post the weird uh, bar dance that he is not Tom Stratton. He's actually Sam. Because he said that, retrieving Sam, pulling him back into the lab in New Mexico, is dependent on everybody in this timeline thinking that he is Tom. And then they kind of realize that he has to complete Tom's mission. Tom was supposed to die in 1956. He was the next pilot to go up in the X-2 spy plane, and he was supposed to die. So basically, in this situation, in Quantum Leap, he has to uh, survive. He has to get to Mach 3 and survive. If he does that, he'll be able to leap home. 
and Tom can go right back into his real body. Okay, but yeah. How many episodes does it take to get there? So it takes about an episode and a half. So it's really setting everything up. All of uh, Tom's friends are kind of um, are kind of questioning his sanity and his yeah. memory to do the job. I would I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Sam's also questioning his ability, even though I mean he can't fly. He says he can't fly over and over. And Al says, "Well, you you probably should learn." Because yeah. he has to fly the X-2 spy plane that coming Tuesday. And they can't retrieve him until Tuesday. So he's going to have to go through uh, with the X-2 spy plane. The stakes get risen. Stakes get risen. It's a great show. It, I, it I, is I a forgot great how show. good this show is. So I do want to say it does end. This episode, Genesis Part 1, does end with them all at a cookout. Basically, uh, uh, Sam talks to Al again, freaking out the friends who can see in a distance that he's talking to somebody who isn't there. Sam also talks to Peggy a little bit and kind of tries to reassure her that everything's okay and gives her a kiss. And then after the kiss, Sam takes the salad outside to the cookout because it's important. Every good cookout, you better have a big salad. Big one. A big one with some, you know, uh, quartered uh, tomatoes like they did back in 1956. Cranberries. Oh, yeah. You better have all that stuff in the salad. And Sam had it all in the salad. But after the kiss, Peggy kind of reaches back puts her hands on her lips and realizes something's wrong here. Uh-oh. That wasn't Tom kissing her. Because if because the Ronette said it best. Yeah. Um if you want his love um and you I I don't remember the exact quote but right. but, but then they say it's in his kiss. <laughs> Wait, what what happened? Oh, there's a buzzer. You must have done it wrong. Oh. Do you know it? Can you, do you, can you do it properly? Sure. <sighs> um, and as the great Betty Everett said in, 19, in her 1964 <clears throat> classic R&B soul pop song, um, if you want to know if he loves you so, uh-huh. it's in his kiss. That's where it is. Oh, thank God. There was the ding. And that's where the episode ends, and that's where we will end. It is a cliffhanger taking us into Genesis Part 2 where we find out, hey, will Sam's Air Force buddies give him a chance to fly the airplane? Do they think he's mentally capable of doing it? Will Peggy have the baby? Will all this trauma suddenly hurt her chances at giving birth to this child? Will it happen right around the time that Sam flies the X-2 spy plane? That we'll find out next time on Don Strong's Taking the Leap with Jason Gore. That's coming up. See you soon. I think I heard a voice say, don't test me in these headphones. Well, it's impossible. It's just the weirdness of the episode. There's, he okay. can't talk through the headphones. But I'm worried about, about what you're going through with your headphones. I'm fine. I'm grateful to be here, and okay. everything is wonderful. I, I well, can't well, believe how grateful I am to be in this position. Well, you're looking at me with really hard eyes no, I'm when not. you said that. Don't say that. Okay. Don't say that. Sorry.